0: With that, this morning we will move right into the fourth and final Sunday, brrr, drum roll, of our Advent series. Uh, we won't. We won't. It's, it's not fully. I mean, Advent is the looking forward to the coming of Jesus. So, Christmas Eve, of course, we light the Jesus candle. Sarah was asking about the colors, and in the liturgical church, all the colors have special meaning. Um, I don't know what it is but it, it ha- they have it. But the Jesus candle is white. We'll light that. But this morning we're going to finish up the looking forward to His coming. And we've talked about in the last three weeks peace, hope, and joy. And this morning the, the fourth topic is love. Um, you, you know, love is really the substance of the other three. Peace, joy, hope are all manifestations of God's love in our lives. Um, but here's the thing, and I'm just, this is like true confessions from the pastor. Um, it's days like this, you, you, you go, okay, so the topic this morning is love, right? God is love. Where, what am I, how do you do a 20-minute message on love, really? Where do I, where do I even begin? Uh, so bear with me, I, I'm going to give it my best shot. I narrowed the topic a little bit. Oh, you can't read it, I put it in black. But my, my title this morning is, what does love look like? I narrowed it down just a little bit. What does love look like? Pray with me and we will uh, jump in and I will do my best to get through it as quickly as possible. Father, uh, you're so good and uh, we acknowledge that you are love. Would you help us this morning by your Holy Spirit just to uh, receive in our hearts uh, and in our minds a little deeper reality and understanding of your love for us and the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you guys have ever done this or not, or if you have done it, if you've ever acknowledged it or not, as long as we're doing true confessions, but human nature, uh, there, there's a tendency to sometimes project onto God our expectations of Him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, if I were God, you, know, you might, and you don't really consciously say that, but if I were God, this is the way I would do it, and underneath that is sort of the idea, and that really is the way that He should do it. Anybody with me? couple of you. How about this? Okay, let's really be honest here. Do you, you ever find yourself just a little bit annoyed with the way God does things? I mean, I'm just going, seriously? Really? Come on. Um, you know, here, the problem, of course, is that we are created in the image of God. God is not created in the image of me. But sometimes I, I really kind of wish that he was. I wish that God would think a little more like I do. Um Of course, I'm joking a little bit. We all know that won't work. We are we are we are finite beings, we're limited in our knowledge and understanding. We're fallen beings, we have a sinful nature, and let's be honest, we're really not all that smart. So God is uh, substantially, ahead of us, and yet in all of of us is that sort of idea sometimes that we think we've got it figured out, we know how this should work, and and we we continually project onto God some of our expectations. Uh, One illustration of that, and it's a big one that fits our topic this morning, is this. Historically, uh, you know, in just world history, women have not been given as many educational opportunities as men. Now, today's culture that's changing a little bit, but historically that was true, and as is the case, sometimes even more so in the church than outside of the church. So uh, when you read theology, all the the theologians, the historical theologians, are all men, all right? Uh, If you dig really deep, you can find some very obscure little theology, uh, you know, Quotes by women, but by and large, now it's historically all the theology books are written by men. That that's changing a little bit the last fifty years or so, twenty five years or so, maybe even more. But as you read historical theology, they're written by men, and so what do you suppose God looks like in those books? Well, he he looks like men want him to look, um, and and, and you know it's kind of how they would do it. If they had all that power. Uh, and of course, if you ask any woman, she'll tell you that it's not a good idea, not a good plan at all. Uh, and they're, they're usually right. But in our culture especially, so Western culture, uh, God is the, we have this image, this projection of God. God is in control, which he is in control, but not only is he in control, but he's also kind of controlling. And he really directs things with sort of an iron hand. He's kind of like the guy in the, in the control room, and he's giving his directions and his orders. Everybody's doing what he says all the time. Uh, God is very independent. He acts on his own, doesn't need a whole lot of outside help. Uh, he's invincible. You can't get to him, can't hurt him, can't touch him. Um, like I said, doesn't need help from anybody. Not a lot of emotion, uh, not a lot of passion, very stoic very strong. That's the God that we so often see. On top of all that, you know, God never ever suffers because, as we know, big boys don't cry, right? And while you're at it, get the hell off my property. Um, But is that not sort of sometimes the projected image of God, that we see God is just ruling with an iron fist, he's in control, and everybody else has to do what he says. Um, And that's the way guys would do it if they were God. Uh, sometimes, you add into that mix, uh, you got to get big and loud and turn the volume up a little bit to let everybody know that you really are in charge and you're really going to have your way. And we see this so often in kind of this image of God's wrath and God's judgment coming. Every time there's a, I, I always, every time there's a natural disaster, hurricane or earthquake or, or a tsunami somewhere. I cringe because I know that any number of different teachers and pastors and prophets are going to go on and say, well, this is God's judgment on those people for this reason. They're sinning and they got judged for it. And And so we blame the victims, right? Um, it was interesting. No, I'm not going to go into it. Don't get me started. Um, that, is a, that is the image Of God made in our image. It's a picture of God made in our image. We've created God to be the way that we think he should be. People typically believe in a God that uh, looks like them, thinks like them, shares their opinions, uh, is on their side, and will help them destroy and wipe out their enemies uh, if they get in the way. And and that is very, uh, very much the historical, theological sort of thinking of Western culture about the way that God is. Here's the problem. Uh, it's amazing when God shows up in person as a person, he doesn't look anything like anybody expects him to look. He's not like that at all. He's, he's, he's so different and he's so radically different that even his friends, his family, his closest followers, his disciples, people that have committed their life to him, even, even they question him, they doubt him, um, You know, his own family, Jesus' family, when he shows up, thinks he's crazy. In Mark, he tells us, Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd gathered. Wherever Jesus would go, crowds would gather. So many people came that he and the disciples couldn't even eat dinner. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. They said, he's out of his mind. His family thought... He was crazy. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. We talked about John a a couple weeks ago. Uh, He was the the forerunner. He announced Jesus' coming. He was with him. He baptized him. He he knew his life, knew who he was. All of a sudden, John's life isn't going well. He's in prison. He's facing execution. He, He doesn't know if he'll be executed. Ultimately, he was. But he realizes that's a reality that could happen. He begins to doubt, and he says somebody to ask Jesus, Hey, are you really the guy? Are you are you the guy or did I get it wrong? Did I somehow somehow miss this? Time and time and time again, his disciples keep asking him, Jesus, now are you going to establish your kingdom? We've, we, we went. That was fun. We healed some people. That was really good. And we, we prayed and these guys got fed. They, that was really cool. But now 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 are you going to establish your kingdom? Jesus is like, uh, no, that that is my kingdom. But they didn't see it that way. They were looking for something different. Jesus is resurrected. He appears to the disciples. And what does Thomas do? I don't know. A little sketchy if you ask me. I don't know if I believe this or not. They're walking uh, on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appears, walks with them. And what are you guys talking about? Well, this guy Jesus came and we had thought he was the one, but apparently he wasn't. On and on and on, over and over, time and time again, those people, even those people that were the closest to him, didn't recognize him for who he was. Jesus was not what anyone expected. And so consequently, almost immediately, his followers begin to re- revert back to the pre-incarnate idea of what God would be like uh, because they, they, they really couldn't even imagine a God like this. But, but here's the thing. I mean, Jesus is God. Okay? He's not just a great teacher. He's a great teacher. But, but he's more than that. He's God. He's not a prophet. He's God. He's not, as some people think, just a really nice guy. Jesus was a very good person. He was so kind. Well, yeah, he was kind, but he's also God. Um, Paul tells us in Romans, There's the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all. Forever praise. Amen. He's God over all. He tells us, uh, Titus, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. John tells us, In the beginning was the Word, referring to Jesus, the Word, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. He was the Creator. Without Him, nothing that was made has been made. Not only does John tell us Jesus was Creator, Paul also tells us Jesus was Creator, he says in Romans, from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. All of the Old Testament attributes of Yahweh are ascribed to the life of Jesus. He is God incarnate. And so when we think about what God is like, we should really take our thinking from Him. What is God like? He's like Jesus. When, when your kids ask you, you know, what does God look like? Your three-year-old says, what's God look like? Well, He looks like Jesus. That's what He looks like. He looks exactly like Jesus, one of my favorites is in Hebrews, the sun, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So what does that say? Jesus is uh, pretty much mostly like God a lot of the time. No, he's the exact represent, exact representation of God Uh the radiance of God's glory, exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful. He's exactly like God all the time. Jesus is the fullest, clearest, uh, most complete picture of God we have. But wait a minute. What about the Old Testament and all the fire and, the air and all that? What about all that? He's the exact repres- representation of God's being. The, um, the Greek here is, a little, is helpful. I was going to look at the word exact and show you that. But uh, I looked it up, and exact in Greek means exact. It, it didn't shine, shed a lot of light on it. It's pretty much the same. The one word, though, that I found interesting was the word radiance. Apogosma is the Greek word. It's a light flashing forth, and it comes from a, a bunch of words put together, from, which intensifies, shine, delivered from the dawn. And some, it's somebody who literally shines as radiance. Um, so here's the thing. What, what is the radiance of God's glory? It's what you see if you you, you, know, we, you can't look at the sun right if it's too bright you can't see the sun but when we see the sun what do we really see? We see the light coming forth from the sun. we can't see it but we see what radiates from it. So the radiance is really the visible part of what's invisible. So Jesus is the God you see. Jesus is the visible of what's invisible He is. The God that we see. He tells us that himself. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He wasn't at all what people thought he would be. Jesus was not what anyone imagined. First of all, of course, he came as a baby, right? That's what we're talking about at Christmas time. Jesus wasn't controlling at all. Of course, he wasn't controlling as a baby, although kind of babies are kind of controlling, actually. Not, not, not intentionally, I suppose. But, um, but as he matured and grew and began to enter into, really, his ministry and his interaction with the community and the people around him, he wasn't controlling as well. One of my favorite interactions, although it's uh, heartbreaking... Uh, but I but I love it nonetheless, is his conversation with the rich young ruler. You know, he comes and he says, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Just follow the commandments. It's easy. Oh, I've, I've always followed the commandments. Oh, okay, then all you got to do now is just sell all you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And what does it say? He went away sad. He couldn't do it. He couldn't make that commitment. But what did Jesus do at that point? He let him go. He let them go. He doesn't force anyone. He doesn't manipulate anyone. He doesn't coerce anyone. He invites people into relationship with him, but he doesn't control them. Jesus is not the independent and invincible God that we picture him to be. He's both dependent and vulnerable. What you say? First of all, he's dependent upon his Father, isn't he? He says, I I don't do anything on my own. I I only do what I see the Father doing. He's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit leads him. and, And this is another sermon for another day, but I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus in exactly the same way that He leads you and I. And Jesus is dependent upon the leading of the Spirit to accomplish the things He does in His life. There's this dependency in the Trinity... But beyond that, I will say this to you. Jesus is dependent upon people. He's dependent upon you and I. How is God dependent upon you and I? He doesn't act unilaterally. He involves and includes us in everything He does because it's not... You ever have that notion, that question, why doesn't God just... Wipe out all the bad people and make all the good things happen, and why doesn't he just do this? Huh? I mean, we've all thought that at different times in different capacities, and the reason is this: that it's not his nature to do that. It's outside of God's nature to do that. He's on this hillside teaching all these people; they're listening to him. He's he's a little long winded. He, he's doing a Robbie sermon that day, I think. Um, for some of you that have been here, you understand that Robbie can. It's a great guy, but he can talk. People are getting hungry. And the disciples are also, I think, doesn't say, I think they're getting hungry. And they say, hey, Jesus, we've got to get these people out of here. It's dinner time. Send them home. And what does Jesus say to them? You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. See, he needs relationship with you and I, it's not in his nature to function independently. Jesus is 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 not stoic he's emotional he's passionate he's compassionate he sees the crowds of people gathered uh, and and just lost not knowing what's going on in their lives and he says it says he has compassion on them he looks out over Jerusalem he sees the sin of the city and he, it breaks his heart he weeps he comes into the home of Mary and Martha. Their brother has died. They're grieving. And what does he do? He enters into their grief with them. And he's not invincible. He's not invincible at all. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. And the whole, it's a tense moment. I don't know if you go back and read that passage. It's a tense, tense moment. Jesus makes a statement. I'm always surprised that he even says it. He says, don't you think I could call my father right now and he'd send 12 legions angels down here? i kick your butt. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And it's not that he couldn't do it. He could have done it. See, that's, that's the thing. He could have done it. It's that he won't violate his own nature to prove a point. That, that's, a, that's a man-made God that would violate your own nature to prove a point. Jesus, if people say, I, I always love it. Well, God can do whatever he wants. Yes, he can. The question isn't what can God do. The question is what will God do? God won't violate his own nature to make himself big. He never threatens people. He says, turn the other cheek. Never gets loud and big to prove his point. He says, love your enemies. Even after he's beaten and tortured, what does he do? He says, "Forgive him." He was um, not like anybody imagined. I, see, to me, that's that's strength. That's real strength when you don't need to prove yourself. See. People thought they were crucifying Jesus because he was too weak to be God. He was weaker than the God they expected. What they didn't realize is that he was infinitely stronger than they could even possibly imagine. He was strong enough that he left his place in heaven with the Father and became a human being. He was strong enough to allow himself to be crucified on a cross. And in doing that, he shows the world what real strength is like. What does it look like? It it, it looks like a God who uh, walks in and lives in self-sacrificial love all the time. When God shows up in person, as a person, He doesn't look like anybody imagined He would ever look. He doesn't look like the gods that people create. You know, we have all kinds of examples of gods that people created. If you read Roman mythology and Greek mythology, they have all these gods. And and what, what, what what is consistent about all those gods? They're all superheroes with superpowers, right? There's none of them like Jesus. Man can't create a God like that. Um, he's weird. He's very different. Very different. He's beautiful. It's different, but He's beautiful. Shows up as a baby. Dies on a cross. What kind of God is that? Not a God that people created, that's for sure. It's a God who is the essence of self sacrificial love. It's a God who created the world, who sustains the world, keeps it in balance every minute of every day. It's the same God that's here right now. He's here with us today, he's continually with us. He's a God who wants you and I to know that same self sacrificial love in our own lives. come into relationship with Him and receive what He has for us. God who shows us what love looks like. Why don't we go ahead and uh, stand?